block. Here come the Aces on the run. The Energizer looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show, show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of three. Chance of three. The Energizer. What a three from half are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There were six seconds to go, and the Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in, 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 in. All right, Las Vegas Aces get another victory yesterday. Improved to 4-1 and one at home. 8-3 and three overall. This team is playing some very good basketball. They had eight days off, had the East Coast swing. A little Motown Philly, except they didn't go there. You know where I'm going with that? Motown Philly, East Coast swing. All right. Yes, so the Aces played yesterday at the house, Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena, got the victory. My man Sam Gordon was there. What's going on, my man? And not a whole lot, TC, one day at a time. One day at a time, enjoying, enjoying uh, <laughs> trying to enjoy the sweltering heat or the, the summer the Vegas with the sweltering heat, but we're getting by. All right, man. Before we uh, talk a little aces, let's talk a little NBA. So I know how much you love the, that as well, too. We were talking a little yeah. bit about Phoenix eliminating uh, Denver. The the sweep ensued there. But uh, the big conversation, of course, is Jokic in the flagrant foul, the ridiculous uh, flagrant two, getting ejected. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to to get that when you got home last night, Sam, or you watched the replays, but uh, give us some thought about the inconsistencies that we're seeing here with a lot of this play in the NBA, especially these calls. Yeah, well, I thought, I thought TC, I mean, you're talking about the, the MVP of the league here, and, and listen, it wasn't, it was clearly, it was a, a foul, there's no denying that, and clearly there was a wind-up and a follow-through, but I don't think that constituted, constituted uh, ejection, a flagrant to an injection. In, in a in a elimination playoff game now, look, I, and that's not to say Denver was going to win whether he had played, but maybe they do. And, and the refs directly uh, intervened and booted him from the game. It was it was a hard foul. It was an unnecessary foul, but it was also a frustration foul. And he didn't decapitate Cameron Payne. It's not like he decapitated him. He did get him, but he got some ball. He was trying to make a play on the ball to a degree. Obviously, trying to follow him as well, and he admitted as much. Was just trying to spark his team, but. I think that's that's an interesting conversation that's happening right now about about officiating. And, and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported today that the league's competition committee met, uh, going over some some specific you know rule changes or foul calls because certain players tend to try and manipulate the officiating. And like you said, it's very very inconsistent. So I think it's good on the league that they're they're making they're they're starting to address this because uh, some of the foul calls and, and some of the no, the no calls, it, like you said, it's just so inconsistent. It's so ridiculous, and I think you know. I think there's you risk losing your audience or losing part of your audience unless they rectify this. So it feels to me like the league is is taking the necessary steps, according to Woj, and we'll see if they they indeed you know follow through and make good on that. But I I don't think definitely a flagrant one, and and but not not a flagrant two, and certainly not in that situation. You know, I think you know the the letter of the law is supposed to be pretty clear here, but for some reason there's so much subjectivity here. It's, if you're not making a play on the ball, and I know that we got you know factor, we just talked to Bill Cartwright, and he kept using the word intent, and I think that that is that is very big. 
That is very key. However, the NBA or any sports organization or any officials are afraid to use that word intent because they really can't get inside the player's head. But you have to use your best judgment. But what gets me is is when we see these guys wrap up a player and give them a bear hug. I mean, you can really hurt someone, especially on a breakaway, and they're going up, and, and, and they're planting their foot, and then they're not allowed to go up. And they think, that, oh, I, I, you know, I'm protecting them. We never see that wrap-up called as a flagrant foul. That is not a play on the ball. And, you know, what's the intent there? The intent is to make sure that this guy does not get his shot off but there's a great chance for injury here. So I think any time that there is a chance for injury, okay, that's where we should label flagrant twos, plain and simple. What we saw with Jokic yesterday in a slap of the ball, whether intentional or not, that does not constitute a flagrant foul, period, let alone a flagrant two. Those are my thoughts, Sam. Yeah. What do you think? I, I could not possibly agree more, and, and it just kind of, you know, the interpretation, it just it speaks to the subjectivity of a lot of this stuff, right? Like, like you know, like you said, TC, the letter of the law is flagrant constitute, you know, non-basketball player or really, really, really excessive contact. Well, the Jokic thing, again, it was excessive, but it wasn't really, really, really excessive. And again, I think, yeah, he knew he was probably going to foul pain, but he did slap at the ball. Like, he did slap at the ball, and, and context, I think, matters here. And that's not to say, you know, make – allowances for superstars all the time, even though we know they do. We, we know the officials do favor superstars. But Nikola Jokic is the reigning MVP and did not get treated like a superstar at all. They booted him out of an elimination game like it was a Tuesday night in February, you know, a regular season game, like he had just picked up his second technical. I thought uh, I thought it was very unceremonious and, and unbecoming of the league. And uh, this, this stuff needs to get rectified. They need There needs to be some kind of consistency established with how – the game is officiated, and there, there's a, you know, you want some physicality in basketball. I don't think there's any denying that, but there's a fine line between what's being called and how it's being called and what's not being called. And again, it's really, really, um, really subjective. I think you look at you know, another thing, TC, look at all the contact that's allowed for post players, right? You can maul them, you can body them up and bang on them and do whatever, you know, whatever you want to a post, but you can't, you can't do that to a perimeter player. Right, like clearly the league is in the, the way the game is officiated to influence a certain style of play, and I'm not sure if that's what's best. And you know, with with the, the competition committee getting together today or talking about changes, I think that's a step in the right direction. And now it becomes executing this, establishing a standard, and then sticking to standards that improve the quality of play, that give players a certain level of freedom, but that also protects them uh, from, from real, true flagrant fouls when the time comes. Well, I think one of the problems with the NBA today is uh, you are asking the officials to do a lot of stuff. Uh, okay, he, you're trying to get intense, so now he's trying to get in the head and be a psychiatrist for the player on the court out there. TC, I know you mentioned when guys wrap people up all the time, and you think that should maybe be a flagrant too. Every time I see somebody do that, I'm thinking it's like, well, they figure they have to do that because if they follow him at any other point, even if they take two more steps in a dribble, they're going to give continuation and give the guy the three-point play. So you know, And you hear it when you're watching a college game all the time. Well, he didn't get that call here in college, but at the next level, he'll get that call of the continuation. I, I just think sometimes the game's a lot softer these days and that kind of stuff, but I think they bring it upon themselves a lot with asking the officials to get in the heads of players, but then also letting guys get continuation with extra steps and everything. I think there's a lot of things inconsistent, and the officials sometimes are kind of out there. It's like, I don't know what to call because... There is the superstar rules. There's everything. The only thing consistent in the officiating is the inconsistency. 
Yeah, and that's you know that's not the bag on like we we all we all have an understanding, and I think most basketball fans have an understanding. Like, look, nobody's saying officiating is easy. Like, it's not. You have ten of the world's greatest athletes on the floor at any given time, moving really really fast and jumping really high, and, and with the ball, just, there's a lot going on. Like, we, we understand that, but uh, at sometimes I think you know the referees tend to involve themselves a little too much in things, and even going to the continuation thing, like. Some some continuations are allowed, but now they're starting to call random stuff that would be continuations before. Now that's on the floor. Like, you can't tell. It's just so sporadic, and I think that's what's really changed. The only thing that, like you said, feels consistent is the inconsistency and the ways that, you know, some of these perimeter-oriented superstars were able to manipulate calls. Like, you know, Luka Doncic comes to mind. James Harden is another one that comes to mind. Like, these guys are experts at playing playing the reps, and, and the reps go for it. And, and you want to talk about non-basketball stuff? Like there are a lot of there are a lot of non-basketball unnatural things that offensive players are doing as well, and they're getting rewarded with two free throws. So uh, it's it's something that definitely needs to be cleaned up. I think it's you know a long time coming. The last couple of years, I think also the reviews, like the frequency of the reviews, and that's something you know TC could talk about too. There was about a billion reviews at the Aces game yesterday, and it just slowed everything up. Like not everything has to be a two or three minute review, and the end of these a lot of these playoff games, if it's close, like. You're getting five, six, seven reviews, and it takes 20 minutes to play 20 seconds sometimes. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but no, there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, I, I, I think, again, for you know, the, the, a lot of the, 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 the kind of the diehard fans are still going to stick with the NBA. I know I certainly have, but you're losing, you're losing some of the casuals and you're losing some of the, the people who are just now discovering basketball with all the start-stop, all the inconsistent fouls, all the replays and things like that. You're not doing yourselves any favors. I, I, what you're supposed to do with the officiating is adapt to make the game better, to make it more watchable, to improve the quality of play. You, you see the NFL trying to do that uh, with some of their rules, and a lot of it's, of course, trial and error through there as well. But what, with all the rules in place, I don't think it's improved the quality of play. Uh, I think it's detracted from it at times, you know, not all the time, because you still have great, great playoff games and great, great high-level play. But it's something that the league definitely needs to figure out and, and address. And, uh, you know, you change the way the game's officiated a little bit, and I think it's going to make for a better, you know, better play all around on both sides of the floor. No doubt. Uh, Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal, talking a little NBA playoffs right now. Sam, let's talk about Milwaukee and Brooklyn. This series, believe it or not, it had the makings of, of looking like this could go the way the Phoenix Suns were going to dispose of the Denver Nuggets, the way Brooklyn just dominated Milwaukee in those first two games. And then, you know, game number three was kind of an ugly game. And then here comes Milwaukee, and they erupt. And all of a sudden, this series is tied 2-2. And now you can even make the argument that Milwaukee has the advantage because you're already playing without James Harden. And now the Nets could be also now without Kyrie Irving, who got injured yesterday. And uh, early reports are this guy might be out for quite some time. Talk about a total change of events, TC. Talk about a series flipping itself on its head. I mean, like you said, this was looking like, you know, a sweep or a gentleman sweep. You know, credit to Milwaukee for winning that game three. But I, it looked to me, based on how Brooklyn came out firing yesterday, that it was going to be a five-game series, right? And then Milwaukee makes its push and starts knocking down some threes and, you know, puts together its best stretch of the series. And Kyrie Irving goes down. It's it's now it's time to see it. And listen, Kevin Durant's credentials are unquestioned. In my opinion, he's one of the ten greatest players to ever touch basketball. Uh, the, the best scorer I've ever seen uh, in my lifetime. I mean, a walking bucket and a tremendous defensive player. There's a two-time champion, two-time Finals MVP. There's nothing that he can't do. We we understand that. But this is going to be a different spot for him. I mean, he hasn't been in the spot for for all of his success and all of the deep playoff runs and the championships that he's won, 
he always had at least one other bona fide superstar in the lineup with him, whether it would be Russell Westbrook helping him get to that conference finals against the Warriors in 2016. Of course, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, uh, particularly Steph, but also Klay and Draymond. And, and we know how great those Warriors teams were. And then with James Harden or Kyrie Irving, like he's always had a big-time running mate. And he's going to be in a situation for the first time since 2013 when Russell Westbrook was injured in the first round where he's going to be out there by himself, right, where he's got quality role players, but he's going to be the only superstar and we're going to see what he does. And, and knowing how great this guy is and how great he's been throughout the course of his career, I think he's going to be ready for the challenge and put forth a big-time effort. What I don't know, however, is, is his individual play, is he going to be elevate? Is he going to be able to elevate his team in a way that can overcome these injuries against a, a really tough defensive team in Milwaukee, against his, probably his best individual defender in the league right now, and P.J. Tucker, who really made him work yesterday, and against a tremendous defensive team that's going to be able to zero in on him and lock in and force other guys to beat uh, beat them. So I think I think you're going to see vintage Kevin Durant tomorrow, but I don't know now if there's enough firepower. I think you look at Milwaukee, they really haven't even played all that well. You know, they, they, they're still trying to figure some things out. Yes, they won yesterday pretty decisively, but I still think they have another year to go to. We haven't seen the best of, of Drew Holiday. We've had a couple good Middleton games, but not necessarily an A-plus game per se. And I think Giannis is still trying to figure out his way in a playoff series. And, you know, is there another level he can get to? Because we've seen how devastating he can be in transition and around the basket. And we've also seen him struggle when he's handling the ball away from the perimeter, or on the perimeter and the defense has a chance to load up for him. So I think definitely the tide has turned to Milwaukee's favor, and I expect them to win this series if, if one of these two superstars can't return and play alongside Kevin Durant. But I think what this, what this sets up, for KD is a chance to have a vintage performance and put a stamp on not only this series but this season and really, really take his legacy to another level uh, as a as a prime time player because we know he's been that. But this is a chance for him to really carry the team by himself and deal with some adversity. All right, we'll see what happens with the Bucks. And the Bucks have been pretty easy to figure out here. They just are living and dying by the three, and we know that usually doesn't bode well for teams in the end, Sam. And again, put up uh, they're putting up 40, 47 uh, threes a game, and if they're hitting the threes like they were yesterday, they're going to be okay. Even though they weren't hitting a really high percentage yesterday, they had enough to get the job done. But we've seen this team just go in these type of funks when they're you know not hitting the, these shots from the perimeter. So uh, I don't think this series is done. I know a lot of people are thinking, hey, Brooklyn was going to roll through this series, like you said. Now people have, have flipped the script, and they're saying, hey, this is Milwaukee series. Not so fast. You're right. KD is one of the greatest of all time, and he has an opportunity to prove himself now. We'll see what happens. And remember, the Nets still do have home court advantage, and the Bucks really haven't played that good on the road. So I still think the jury is out on this series. Let's talk about tonight's game. You have two of them. you got Philly and Atlanta in the East. Philly leads this series two games to one. They've won two in a row after Atlanta and Trey Young and company. Uh, they literally up in game number one, but not so much in games two and three. What do you expect to see in this game tonight and the rest of this series? Well, I think what I really noticed DC in game three was Philly figured it out from a physical standpoint, right? With Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, like Atlanta, those guys overpowered Atlanta in that game three, and Atlanta really doesn't have an answer for, for the size and the physicality that Philadelphia plays with. And if, if a lot as good as Atlanta's supporting cast has played for much of the playoffs, and you've got to give credit where credit is due. I still feel like a lot of Atlanta's success is Trey Young or Bust, and, and that they have another level to go to. That's fine, right? It's a young team for the most part. You're missing DeAndre Hunter, who was awesome this year in his second year. 
out of Virginia after winning a national championship in 2019. But uh, if, 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 it, if Trey can't, you know, give you 35 and 15 the way he did in game one where he was able to kind of control the tempo and the flow when he was getting to his spots, uh, Atlanta tends to struggle. So I think Philly, Philly kind of figured that out, that, that Atlanta can't match up with them physically. And as long as Embiid, you know, we know he's dealing with some kind of knee injury, partially to whatever it is, a partially torn meniscus or MCL. You wouldn't know it by the way he's playing. And, and for all the flack and the grief Ben Simmons gets because he's not what maybe the public wanted him to be, like he is an awesome, awesome two-way player that makes things happen for guys on his team that can guard anybody on the floor. Like one of the few players in NBA history where you can really literally say, who can't he guard? He can guard Trey Young. He can guard bigs. He can guard wings. He can guard everybody. And with that supporting gas, with Tobias Harris and those guys playing well, um, I thought Atlanta had a chance given coming into the series when we didn't know how healthy Embiid was. But he, he looks pretty good, and as long as he's pretty good, I, I expect um, Philadelphia to make pretty quick hay of Atlanta and, and set up a, what's going to be an epic conference finals against either Brooklyn or Milwaukee, whoever makes it out on that other side. The top seed in the West, Utah Jazz, uh, struggling a little bit now. They still lead the series against the Clips 2-1. What do you think happens here? Depends a lot on Donovan Mitchell's health. Uh, you know, he had that ankle injury towards the end of the season and then appeared to aggravate it a little bit uh, at the end of game three or late in game three. If he's not healthy, uh, if he's not 100% healthy, I don't think I don't think Utah can beat the Clippers. Now, if he's 85 90% and it's playing well the way he did in the first two games where he was a mini Dwayne Wade flying all over the floor and doing everything on offense, hitting clutch baskets, setting up his teammates and, and being that emotional leader for that group, and th- then – then I think Utah still has an advantage in this series, but I got to see that. I got to see how that first quarter looks like and what, what he looks like. You see, because if he's not 100 percent right or at least close to it, uh, I'm, I have a lot of questions about how Utah can score. I mean, a lot of it they're not. I don't think they're, they're as dependent on Donovan Mitchell as Atlanta is on Trey Young, but clearly they're very dependent on him and his ability to create offense and get into the teeth of that defense, get to the paint uh, and, and get to the rim. Who else do you trust on that team offensively? Uh, do you trust Jordan Clarkson? Sixth man of the year. Had a really, really good year. But do you want him initiating offense in a tight game late in the fourth quarter? Ask yourself that. Whereas with the Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard, who you do trust in big moments. And as inconsistent as Paul George is, he played really, really well in game three. And if he can give you 85, 75, or 80% of that, then you know the Clippers' offense is going to be pretty formidable. So I think until I, I have a better gauge of where Mitchell's ankle is at, uh, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on that one, but if it's not right, I, I think the Clippers get this thing done in six. And if it is right, I think Utah gets it done in six. So we'll have to see. But that, that's a fascinating matchup. You know, two teams that both take a lot of threes and shoot the three exceptionally well. It's just a matter of how are you getting those threes. And, and Donovan Mitchell's dribble penetration and the threat of him getting in the basket is, is, is so crucial for that offense that if he's been limited in any way, they, they don't get the same kind of looks. There it is. Sam Gordon uh, joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Talk a little NBA playoffs. Sam also covers the Aces for the RJ as well. Sam, the Aces playing well. They're eight and three. They've won four out of five games at home. Uh, quick take on the Aces. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know Bill Lambeer still says it all the time, right? They're a, a, a work in progress, or uh, you know they're still they're still figuring things out. But and you can definitely see that at times. I think yesterday. Uh, and their victory over the wings, they were a little sloppy with the ball. We weren't always on the same page offensively, but we knew how talented this team was. And so far, they, they're playing like one of the best teams in the league. I mean, Asia Wilson is every bit as good as she was last year in her MVP season. Uh, Liz Cambage has, has been awesome on both ends. 
statistically, you might not see that, right? Because she has not necessarily as productive, but I think her role has changed a little bit. I mean, this is Angel Wilson's team, and I think Liz Sam Bates, to her credit, for the most part this year, has totally bought in to anchoring that defense when she's out there. She's among the league leaders in, in block shots, and has proven during a couple of games this year, you think back to that Connecticut game last year, that when they need to go to her and when they need her to dominate a game offensively, she still can. Um, Chelsea Gray didn't play her best game yesterday, but has been fantastic in making the whole thing go. And uh, they're still kind of working pieces in. I mean, Chelsea Plum has only played, you know, four or five games this year. With, with, with her being out with USA Basketball, she was awesome yesterday, uh, coming off the bench, scoring 13, defending at a high level, and, and playing with a lot of energy. And then I, I can't tell you how impressed I've been with the defense of, of Raquana Williams, T.C. We know she's a prolific offensive player, has scored 50 in the WNBA, uh, big-time shot maker, and, and can score from anywhere on the floor and has no conscience when it comes to offense. But she's turned into the, the defensive st- a defensive stopper on the perimeter, often tasked with guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player. And, and the same could be said for Jackie Young. She's made an unbelievable leap. Uh, it's looking like the number one overall pick she was in 2019 on both ends. Her, her mid-range game is pure. She's getting in the basket. She's drawing fouls. And she's tremendous defensively as well. So even without Angel McCautry, you look at the pieces, you look how they're starting to come together. They have scoring in the post. They have shot creation on the perimeter. They have a defensive anchor in Cambage and Wilson as well. They're deep. They have a, a strong bench that's going to, I think, continue to improve as Chelsea Plum continues to work her way in the lineup. And they're experienced now. So uh, they're 8-3. They're in the top three in offensive and defensive rating. They have the best net rating in the league. And you still feel like they have another year or two that they can get through. So super impressed with how they've played so far. And um, and expect them to only continue to get better as they get more experience and time playing together. Yep, could be a very very special season like we were hoping for, and we're we're getting that out of the aces. All right, we got some breaking news here today, Sam, as well too. Uh, this is great. This is exciting, and this is something that we we feel that uh, is probably going to be a regular occurrence. The WNBA All Star Game returns to Las Vegas, July the fourteenth. It is official. Back at uh, the house at the Michelob Ultra Arena, July the fourteenth. Yeah, uh, not again, like you said, DC. I mean, I, you imagine, I think there was talk in 2019, and you were there for that game, the 2019 All Star game, that Vegas might be a go to destination for this game. And, you know, interesting timing with it being, with it coinciding with the Olympic break. But cool thing that the league and USA basketball are doing where it's going to be WNBA All Stars that aren't with the American Olympic team, excuse me, and, and then, you know, playing against a team full of Olympians. And so you're really going to get a lot of the best players in the world, and it, it makes sense from a planning standpoint that it's here because uh, Michelob Ultra Arena is already going to be hosting USA basketball scrimmages and, and, and exhibition games on both the men's and women's side. Both programs are going to be training out here in preparation for Tokyo. So it's a great event. And once again, you know, Las Vegas is a basketball town and uh, certainly a WNBA town, and this is an affirmation of that with the, the game coming here for the second time in, in three years. All right, uh, fan voting actually begins tomorrow. So go to WNBA.com. So vote for your aces, vote for your favorite WNBA players. But uh, great news that the WNBA All-Star Game will be here on July the 14th. So a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Sam, it was great seeing you at the fights the other night, too, uh, over at the Virgin. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, it was a, a demolition uh, by him, one of the greatest defensive fighters that, that fans will probably ever seen. Not a lot of action for a lot of fight fans, but, I mean, if you're a boxing purist, you're going to say, wow, you know, what this guy is doing is phenomenal. But as we know, you know, people like to see rock'em, sock'em. They like to see knockouts. They like to see knockdowns. And Shakur is not going to deliver that, and he definitely didn't 
deliver that on Saturday night. But uh, give me your take from the 120-107 on all three judges' scorecards, uh, Demolition. I mean, it was a boxing clinic, you see, by, by Shakur Stevenson, and, and that's who he is. He's a pure boxer. Like you said, he's a defensive genius uh, akin to the great Floyd Mayweather. Nobody's saying he's Floyd. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's going to be Floyd. But we haven't seen this kind of defensive prowess from anybody since Floyd. And, and you look at his opponent on Saturday night, over the course of a 12-round fight, he landed 28 total punches. That's less than three around. Like, that is astonishing. Two and, you know, two and a third punches around, and, and that's what it looked like. It looked like, to me, PC, I felt like Shakur Stevenson could hit Jeremiah Nakatila whenever he wanted and, and that he couldn't hit Shakur, period. I mean, that's what it looked like. Now, the, the next step for Shakur is going to be understanding, okay, and that's not who he is as a fighter yet, but he's also only 23. Like, he's still in the infancy of, infancy of his development. He's five or six years away from his prime, and my personal opinion, and I asked Shakur about this after the fight, I asked him, you know, do you feel like you need a, a, a better opponent to bring out the best in you? Because I certainly feel that way. If he's in there with a Jamel Herring or an Oscar Valdez, you're going to really see his offense on display because he's going to be in there with a, another pressure fighter that's going to put, you know, that's going to allow him to showcase his, his counterpunching brilliance uh, even more so than he was able to on Saturday. And he said, yeah, you know, get me in there with a heavy hitter. I feel like I'll be able to eat more and do more damage. So, it's, it's time, right? It's, it's time. We've, we've known about Shakur Stevenson since he won the silver medal in 2016 with, with Team USA at the Rio de Janeiro Olympics. We know about the talent. We've seen it now multiple times against, you know, mostly B-level competition. Like, time to put him in there. Time to see what he can do against the champion at 130. He's, he's wanted that, all that smoke for a long, long time. He knows he's ready to go. And I think boxing and, and top rank know he's ready to go, too. We expect some kind of title fight for him later this year. And then that could probably against Jamal Herring for the WBO title. And then that would set up a pretty tasty unification to see with Oscar Valdez, who had the upset victory over Miguel Burchell in an excellent fight in February. So I think the sky's the limit for Shakur Stevenson. Again, clinical, surgical performance, especially if you're a boxing purist. And, you know, let him, let him take his time developing. I think the power, you know, he's not ever going to be a power puncher, but I think he has more power than he showcased on Saturday. And it's all about finding the right time and situation. I know the Raiders are here now, and it's all about just win, baby, and all that. But and I don't need rock'em sock'em robots. But come on, N- N- Nakatila was fa- he fell down four times. One of them was counted as a knockdown. There, he was completely frustrated. Step, but kept on stepping on Shakur's foot. Sh- Shakur could have done something. Yeah, he won the fight. But if he wants to win the fans and get people to tune into his fights and get the big money in that, he's got to take a little bit more chances and go after somebody. There is no reason why he shouldn't have gone. To for a knockout or something. I understand it's all about the win, but if you want to be popular and win the fan base, he's got to be more aggressive than that. I mean, that fight was a snooze fest. And think about it, yeah, that's not right. who he is. I mean, that that's the thing. And certain boxers are that way, and we saw that with Floyd Mayweather over time towards the end of his career. And unfortunately, I mean, that's why, and we talked about it last week, I mean, he was 15-0 coming to this fight with only eight knockouts. And as you know, when you're building up your your resume, and you take the first 15, 20 fights, most of these fighters have a knockout rate of around 70 or 80%. So most of these fighters with 15 knockout, or rather 15 and 0, they have about 12 or 13 or 14 knockouts, and he doesn't. And I think that bodes 
to tell you a lot about Shakur Stevenson. And I don't know if you get him in there against an Oscar Valdez or whatever, does that mean all of a sudden he's going to step up his game? I think what we see with Shakur Stevenson is, is, is what you get. And you're right, Frank. A lot of fans don't like that, uh, you know, but it's just, it's just one of those things. That's who we're dealing with with this guy. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, 100%. PC. I don't think he's ever going to be. He's never going to be a guy that, that is, a, is a knockout king or a knockout specialist. And I hear what Frank's saying, right? Like the fans are calling on, on him to close the show. And there were opportunities for him to close the show. But, that, again, that's just not who he is right now. And, and I think in a, a bigger fight against a better opponent, like he's gonna, he, he understands that he's going to have to be a little bit more offensive. And, you know, he talked about that after the fight. He didn't feel like it was his best performance. He was almost disappointed with the performance. And we're talking about a unanimous, dominant 120 to 107 uh, decision. And he understands that there are levels to go in his development, and he knows he, he's not in his pride yet. But uh, in terms of the, the, the polish, the skill, the footwork, the wingsmanship, uh, being able to slip punches and throw counters, uh, he's, he's as brilliant as they come in, in those areas. I mean, he's so, so, so sophisticated. He looks like he's been a 12-year pro, and he's only been pro for, you know, a pro for five years. So um, there, there's room to grow, and that's the scary thing. Is he's already this good right now, this polished, and you get him in there with the right opponent. No, I don't think his approach necessarily changes, but I think there's going to be more of a sense of urgency to, to, to put forth a little bit of offense. I mean, like, like you said, it, it, it was very, very repetitive in the way he was outboxing, uh, outboxing his opponent on Saturday, and I don't think that'll be the case against the superior opponent with, with a title, with a legitimate title on the line. All right, my man, we appreciate uh, the time. As always, Sam, look for Sam in the Las Vegas Review-Journal. If it's not uh, covering the Aces, it's covering boxing, it's UNLV football and basketball as well, too. All right, brother, be good. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it, PC. Thanks, fellas. There you go. There he is. All right. Uh, Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, in the midst of those four fight cards. The uh, third fight card uh, coming up will be this weekend and uh, a little bit different in the main event. You got uh, a big name like Shakur Stevenson, who is undefeated. Well, this week, you, you've got a guy in Inouye who is coming out of here with a 20-0 and record, 17 knockouts. He's known as the Monster. He's from Japan. He came out uh, of a fight against Nino Donaire about a year and a half ago. Phenomenal. Top-ranked signed him at that point in time. So uh, he is the Bantamweight champ. So we're going to see a lot more action, I can guarantee it, not only this Saturday night, but then the following Saturday night with Lomachenko as well, too. So, But it was, it was good to be out, uh, again, with live boxing, with fans out there and everything. We had a very good crowd, and uh, it, it was great to see everybody uh, once again on Saturday night. Even no, though, like you said, the main event was lackluster. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to the fights coming up here with some guys that want to put the opponent to sleep mm. instead of putting the fans to sleep. <laughs> Fury Wilder, that uh, you know, we talked last week with Bob Arum about that. That will be coming up, a uh, big press conference in L.A. tomorrow to make the official announcement. That will be on July the 24th at T-Mobile Arena. So a, a lot of good boxing coming your way. And we will have tickets to give away this week as well, too, for tonight, uh, rather this Saturday's fight and the following Saturday as well. Top-ranked boxing live on ESPN. And, and, uh, and we can officially announce, too, because we saw it ourselves after the fights. There's nobody more popular leaving an arena than St- than Jacob Stitch Duran. <laughs> no doubt. That guy is like a living legend walking out of there. He can't go two steps without somebody wanting a selfie with him. This is true. This is true. And the way Stitch is, too, he's that guy in the public. He doesn't you know, mind going out the main entrances and that sort of thing. And, again, a lot of that 
has to do with him in the Hollywood movies as well, too. And oh, like absolutely. He, and like he said on the show on Friday, when we had him on Friday, he's just sort of like, hey, he goes, there are these guys that didn't even know that I'm a, a boxing cut man. But they go, hey, you know, weren't you in uh, you know, Rocky Balboa? Weren't you in Creed? You're in Creed, dude? Yeah, oh, that's me. And it's funny when he tells the stories about these NBA guys or these uh, R&B artists or these rappers. Well, how about when Snoop Dogg came yeah. up to him like, hey, there you're you the go. legend, man. I right. need a picture with you. And he's like, right. Snoop Dogg is calling me the legend. And then he goes, and that, that guy from Saturday Night Live, He's talking about Pete Davidson. Right. Had no idea who even who the hell he even was or whatever. But right. a, a, again, he is recognizable, and the yeah. movies certainly have a huge part yeah. to do with that. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, but it, it's really just nice to see Stitch getting all the props and that that yeah. he so richly deserves. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And again, uh, Stitch is in the corners of all of these fights. Again, a Las Vegas. Love having him on the show, and like you said, just one of the most personable guys as well. So. Good for Jacob Stitch Duran. All right, we come back. B-Sal, he's getting ready to head on out to the Fortress. be live on Channel 3. He's going to join us. He's going to be sweating outside. Yeah, he is. Always wearing some kind of suit. That's why we got to give him a bad time about this. We're going to have to you know, tell him that his wardrobe options tonight. He can't be you know, you know, going with that, those heavy suits tonight. Will they have the flower in the lapel again? Yeah, That's the big question. We need to have a talk with him about that. <laughs> we'll do that next. Right here, T.C. Barton Show on a Monday. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. The request line may help you. Yes, Brian Salmon joins us. Our guy over at News 3, the sports director, let's see, he's probably in his office right now. He's got the ironing board ready. He's ready to go. B-Cell, <laughs> B-Cell, it's a, what's it, 110 today or whatever? 111. 111. B-Cell, I think you got to go with the wife beater or something. You got to go show the guns. You got you to gotta come up with a tank top. There is no call for a suit tonight in the heat at T-Mobile. No, no. First of all, I love the fact that I have my own intro music. The request line when you bring me on, I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's um, how we do it, hey, man. That's how you do it? I like it. I like it. So how about this? You're right. It, it's hot. It's hot to death outside. However, um, we do have to go inside after. So if I put on a white beater and I'm outside in a tank top showing off the guns, when I get inside, I'm going to freeze my gun's off. It's going to be cold in there. So you, you can put the suit the coat on yeah. once you get inside. <laughs> oh, okay. So the suit coat over the wife beater. Yeah, there you go. Now, I, I don't know how comfortable I am saying the wife beater. I never understood that. Why do they call those little white little tank tops, why do they call them wife beaters? I don't know. That's, that's not even right. I think it's because every time you see a chase on cops, that's what the people are wearing. Is that the deal, <laughs> uh, Let's. That's exactly why they started calling them that. That's exactly why they started calling every them that. Every time there's a, 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 a call. Yeah, every time you hear a call for domestic violence or something like that, that's what they're wearing. And they always come out and they're in handcuffs and usually barefoot and watch your head when they put you in the back of the car. Now, there's no. Yeah, they get a stain on the front of the shirt. There yeah. is no one better to to give us this update. Than Brian Salmon because he is the king of the fashion police. <laughs> the, the king of the fashion police. That's you. You know what? I'll, I'll take that. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I'll carry that. All right. So here's what most people don't know. Okay, when we saw you at game number six, 
The we, elimination game. The elimination game last Thursday night. We were hanging out. We saw you. But as Frank pointed out, you were wearing your beautiful dapper suit. I believe it was purple, but you had a flower. You were wearing a flower. <laughs> it was that, and Frank thought it was in tribute to Mark Andre Fleury. But I guess that wasn't the case. So explain the flower. I still think it was sublim- subliminally towards Mark Andre. You think so? Okay. I, I, I thought he was going. I, I, I thought he was going to a <laughs> wedding, or he just came back from a wedding, or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I heard that. Um, you know, I never really got a chance to go to my high school prom and, and get as fly as I wanted to be. It wasn't <laughs> the way it should be. So I figured I need to go ahead and rock the flower now. You know the what are they croissant? No, the croissant is a woman, I think. No, yeah, cor- what, I don't know what they call it for the guy anymore. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, guys man, and I, girls can I wear corsages. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Guys, okay, wear yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they called them something else, but uh, no, nah, man, I just started rocking them. I was like, you know what? Why the heck not rocking? <laughs> <laughs> you going to love shack on me now? <laughs> I, I, I love shack. I, I think we like the request line a little bit better. Yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Love Shack's not a bad song, but I don't know if it, if it necessarily fits uh, my pers- personality. Exactly. No, wait, does Brian, are, are you DJing tomorrow? Aren't you doing a show tomorrow? Who, me? What yeah. show would I be doing? No, TC, I think, is actually uh, doing a well, I, I was at, request I, I, line. I, I, actually, I actually had to, uh, uh, to fold the tent on this one. Ah. I, I, I'm I'm so busy that uh, you've been was, talking about it for like a month. I know, I know. I feel bad. So I was gonna do a fill in for Dougie Doop. I was gonna do the Dougie Doop show tomorrow, but uh, luckily enough, I I think that that part of it actually came from Dougie. I think he has been hearing the show and how I said I was gonna take over. So Dougie Doop does his Doop show, uh, B Sal, and I said I'm taking over. and It's gonna be TC and the Soul Patrol's fabulous funk show. So I said we're going 70s, we're going 80s, and I think. You know, once he heard that, he probably said, "You know, uh, you got fired." Yeah, I, I, he, maybe, maybe I got fired. <laughs> Even though I, I still could come in and do the show tomorrow, but I, I told Numchuck, I said, "Tell Dougie, I'm probably gonna have to bail out because." Of all, you know, listen, I mean, look at the schedule we've been talking about here. I mean, we've got hockey, we've got aces, we've got hockey, we've got aces, we've got hockey, we've got aces, we've got boxing. I mean, don't have, a, there's uh, no time to breathe here. Is there, is there another fight this coming weekend? Yes, there is. Yeah. And we're Who's just, fighting this weekend? This fight, man. Oh, my God. We, we, are you kidding me? The monster is here. In a way. Oh, no, Tiafimo. In a way. No, 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 not Lopez. In a way. In a way. Yeah, you don't know Inouye? He's 20 and 0. 17 I, knockouts. He's known as the monster. Isn't Tiafimo Lopez is fighting this weekend too, though, but not here. He's, he's in not Miami, here. right? He's not here. Yeah, he's going he's going That's down to the Miami. the Triller card? Yeah, he he with Triller. Yeah, exactly. But good news <laughs> that Lopez and and Bob Arum and Top Rank, uh, they had their meeting on on Friday and uh they have come to an agreement, so that's it. So Terrence Bud Crawford uh sounds like he's going to still stay under the Top Rank umbrella as is uh, Lopez as well too. So there you go, B Sal. There's your breaking news. Oh, that's that's actually some that's actually breaking news to uh, to to know about, man. Yeah. I mean, wow. Hey, how about the breaking wow. news? Also, I hope that you're you're uh, talking about this tonight. As you know, you and I were taking some pictures together there two years ago at the Mandalay huh? Bay. The WNBA All Star Game returns. Yes, yes, yes. How cool is that? Yes, you gotta love that. You know what though. I already, I knew, I think I announced two years ago that the WNBA, you can go back in the archives, I said on the air, the WNBA said that they were going to have the All-Star game here 
almost like an annual thing. Yes, I, I know. I, I was on with you at that time. You were on with me at that time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I knew that it was coming back, but, uh, yeah, no, I did see today that they announced officially that uh, cool news, I think voting man. starts on the 15th. Very, yeah, that's sweet, man. Very cool. All right, so let's talk a little VGK here, my man. So you're getting ready tonight. Uh, doing live shots. Is it going to be you? Is it Jesse? What's the deal the other night? Oh, no, man. Uh, yeah, it'll be me, man. I'll be out there. Usually it's, it's me live out in front of the uh, T-Mobile Arena before the game. I'll be out there at 5 o'clock. So, I mean, I'm, I'm editing and writing stuff so I can get the heck out of the station now. Um, so I'll do that at 5 o'clock, and then I'll head inside and, uh, and, and cool off <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, I mean, I'll, I'll be out there. And then I'll be live from T-Mobile Arena at 10 and 11 o'clock tonight, and Jesse will be back here at the studio. All right. so, you're gonna be you're gonna be sweating yeah. out there. Be sweating. Out. Find some shade out there, man. Man, you know what? I have a nice little spot, man. Like I, I literally found a nice little spot. It's a walkway between T-Mobile Arena to Shiva Plaza, and if you're going to the Park MGM, there's an area over there that's got a tree, and I usually sit up right <laughs> underneath the tree, so it's it, it's in the shade. So like I I wear like the I got my shoe on, and you get a nice little breeze, and it's not very hot. Like honestly, it isn't that hot? It, so- it's yeah, I love it. So there's there's your warning, uh, fans. There you go. You're, you're out there listening. You know where B Sal is going to be. So if you want to sneak in the shot and see your fa- see your face, you know, in his oh, shot, wow. that's thanks, where you go. Thanks, thanks. You, you've just thanks told everybody. Lot, there it is. There it is. Maybe yeah. get, maybe get some B Sal chants going as well too. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a negative. That is a negative. Hey, come on. You're, you're a man of the people, man. You're a man of the public. You're out and about, man. People recognize you, okay? And now they're going to come up and ask you, hey, man, where's your flower tonight? Where's my flower? I, I got the flower. I got, a, I got the blue flower on tonight. All right. All right. Yeah. I, the flowers, man, you know what? Um, uh, Don. Don from uh from the Aviators. He does the – Don uh, Logan. The, um, the, no, not Don Logan. The um, – the PA announcer. He also does UNLV uh, basketball. Um, oh my gosh! His name's not Don. Uh, That's not Don. So, 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 so what color uh, suit does the blue flower go with? It's a, um, it's a burgundy suit, but it's got it's got like some blue, uh, blue window pane. I guess you could say. And, and do you still have the crazy socks like the yellow ones you had on last night that go underneath it, or? Uh, no, 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 I've got some. Uh, I mean, I got the dope socks. Like, these socks I'm wearing tonight are some of my favorites. The Super Mario Brothers socks. But Dick Calvert is who I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah, not okay. Dick Calvert, yeah, the legend. Dick, Dick Calvert. Calvert, yeah. Man, yeah. I, I love Dick Calvert, man. He's like one of my favorite guys. One of my favorite guys ever. But he, he loves the flowers. Every time I see him, he talks about uh, the boutonniere. That's what he calls it, the boutonniere. Boutonniere. There you go. Corsages, boutonnieres. Look at this education. Yes. yes this is a, welcome to the T.C. Martin Wedding Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. The wedding uh, homecoming prom show. <laughs> All right. So, uh, B-Sal, we were talking earlier. Give me uh, your, your quick thoughts on the Golden Knights against the Montreal Canadiens tonight. Uh, semifinal. Feels strange. Feels weird. But uh, the Knights a huge favorite here. But how about this? I think that the Knights have to guard against, and the fans guard against the fact that they're going into this series as huge favorites, man. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're really big favorites. Everyone thinks they're going to win this series. So, you know, how are they going to play with the weight of, with the weight of everyone on their backs, in a sense? You know what I mean? Because 
against Minnesota. A lot of people doubted them, thinking, oh, man, Minnesota has their number. It's going to be a tough series. The Knights were probably inside their own heads. And, you know, that was a tough series going to Colorado. You know, everyone thought they were going to lose. So they had the, the us against the world kind of card. But now, man, I, it, I think it's, it's more difficult to play with the expectations of yourself and everyone on your back than it is playing the underdog role. And you know that, man. It's like that in most sports. So um, I think it's going to be tough. Really quickly, though, I talked with Eddie Olchek. Eddie Olchek, who does the color analyst work for NBC Sport, um, he he was gracious enough to give me his time. I called him. He was uh, he's in New York doing the or Tampa Bay, excuse me, doing the the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Islanders series. And he told me that he said, you know what, it would be a huge upset if Montreal would beat the Golden Knights. So I mean, he thinks they're going to win. He didn't think they were going to beat Colorado. Still kind of surprised in the fact they beat them four straight games. So I guess we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it, they should win this series. If they don't, then Ooh, I mean, I mean nothing they, needs to happen in particular, but it'd be a huge, huge disappointment if they didn't. Yeah, I mean, they should definitely beat them. And the one thing that is interesting this year, now we're at the point of the season where nobody has faced the other team that they're playing, the Islanders and Tampa Bay, and like you mentioned, Montreal and Vegas. So although Vegas is a big favorite, who knows how they're going to play against a team that they haven't faced this year. I imagine in some ways that's going to be nice and going to be interesting for the first time at the Fortress in, like, what, almost two years now, we're going to hear O Canada tonight. That's true. There you go. Be oh, get, get, right. get your pipes that's ready. Right. Yeah, golden pipes. Uh, he won't be singing uh, that, uh, but uh, I'd like to hear B. Sal, you know, try to sing the Canadian national anthem. <laughs> oh, can't. You know what, though? How about this? Another uh, little shameless plug. I did a story on golden pipes and uh, Lene. Lene is the name of the woman who sings right. the Canadian national anthem. Yep. So it'll be both Lene and golden pipes tonight. They're best friends, and they'll sing together, man. So... I'm looking forward to that. She has a beautiful voice, man. She does the uh, the Super Night National Anthem. So there you have, thanks for the reminder. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. There you go. All right. Good stuff, sure. man. Good stuff. All right, man, we'll let you uh, get back to work here. Uh, we've got to keep an eye on some NBA tonight. Uh, you got a winner for us out there tonight. We've got the two wow. series. We've got Atlanta and Philly, and then, of course, Utah and the Clips. It looks like that is the most entertaining series right now. Yeah, man. How how about though the um the Nets, man? Like the Nets look like the the Golden State Warriors of a few years ago, man. Just everybody dropping like flies, man. Like that's that's sad, isn't it? You know, I mean their whole team seems like they're injured. But uh, that Clippers series, that is a great series. I'd like to see the Clippers go ahead and advance, man. Like I I want to hate them, but I. I I can only dislike one team from LA, and that would be the Lakers. <laughs> you know, you know. I'm going to say this: that you're going back uh, comparing the Nets to the Warriors here. I don't think that the public has that same sentiment. I think the 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 public really felt bad when Clay Thompson got hurt and Kevin Durant got hurt, and then even Steph Curry. When those guys, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, right now, I, people don't like James Harden. Let's be honest. People don't like Kyrie Irving, okay? They, don't, I, they didn't even like him in Uncle Drew. He tried to win fans over by going Hollywood. Oh. And you know what I'm saying? Even though he was pretty good oh. in the movie. But the bottom line, you don't have likable characters. And Kevin Durant is probably not as liked you know, anymore. I think, you know, before when he was with OKC was, went to, to Golden State, people kind of, they bought into that with, you know, the good guys. Because let's face it, the Warriors were the good guys. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and now he kind of joins the dark side. So I just don't don't feel this has the same type of, uh, you know, 
atmosphere, that t- same type of meaning. And I think people are... I, they, I would be fine, personally, to see the Nets go bye-bye. I don't need to see James Harden anymore. I don't need to see Kyrie Irving. Those guys are problems. Those guys are problems, especially when Kyrie Irving did, you know, stepping on Lucky at the Boston Garden. Like, he's got, you know, bad, uh, you know, bad juju there, you know, for, for Boston. I mean, come on, man. It's just low class. But, but even with Kevin Durant, don't you think that some of the casual <laughs> fans think, okay, yeah, he went and he joined. Yes, But he's do. not really part of the Warriors because he won a couple titles sure. with him and then went on his own again. So, yeah. He went to get what he wanted, but he's not really part of the hardcore warrior base. No, he's not part of the hardcore, but the, the point of, of the matter is that if you compare that the net situation to the warrior situation, I, I don't think it's the same. You know, I think well, there's, I there's, mean, there was a different love. No, no, I, I, I'm agreeing I with you. I agree. Yeah, in that regard, I agree. But I'm just talking about the fact that they're a huge favorite and their team, like their, their star players are being injured, not the sentiment of the fans and whatnot. Just the fact that like their star players are going down, and now a team that you can almost pencil in for the finals and maybe even a title, you're like, man, they might not even make it out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, interesting to see. So, all right, man, we'll let you get back to it. Uh, get that flower ready, man. Get that suit pressed. <laughs> and even though it's hot, he's got it made in the shade for that uh, pregame stuff outside. Oh, wow. This, you can always think of Frank, man, with a little bloop, bloop, ding. That's it. <laughs> he is, man. He's our human sound effect. There's no doubt. All right, brother. Be good. We'll look yeah. forward to seeing you tonight, man. All right? Let's go eat. My guys. All right. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you tonight, fellas. There you go. Brian Salmon, right. News 3. You can catch him out there. 5, 6, and then the, the wrap-up afterwards tonight at 11. News 3, our sports director over there. Yeah, he said 10 and 11 tonight. So right. He, right. Uh, probably doing something on the CW and an entry at 3. Right. So it's all over the place. want to thank Bill Cartwright for joining us. Sam Gordon, Brian Salmon. Appreciate it. And then tomorrow we uh, get ready for a terrible Tuesday, and then we'll recap what takes place tonight at the Fortress recap in game one. And a terrible Tuesday after not having one last week. So. This is true. We've got plenty of terrible Tuesday thoughts. Plus, we got Aces tomorrow night as well, too, as the New York Liberty comes to town. So, a busy Las Vegas sports week. For Ballpark, Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out. T.C. Martin Show.com.